Hello and welcome to the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by Sam Clayton, HGV driver specialist, and my cat Denny, who's just about to leave. Don't stand on the keys. Go. Bye. Right. Hello. <laughs> Morning, Dougie. You right? How are you getting on? It's a little while since we last spoke. Um, I've got an article of yours going in the magazine um, uh, that comes out in a couple of weeks' time um, where you've been out driving the MAN TGX 470, which was. Um, yes. Useful bit of insight into that particular truck. Like to hear what other people think of these things. You know, please get in touch and let us know. I've not, still not driven a bloody new generation MAN properly. I'll have to try and. I'm trying to free up some time to get out and about and do things. Uh, we're trying to recruit. We're trying to get people in, but it's not. Um, it's not easy. And I'm just in the process of setting up some more people to try and do some freelance work as well to get a bit more of a, a pool of people doing that. Especially, I, I like to get drivers and people who've got experience from the industry. Uh, to go and yes. um, do these things because you need to have an understanding of trucks. I can't get a car journalist in who doesn't know the first thing about lorries or driving them. It just won't work. I agree, yeah. And, and I've got that uh, S-Way article to send you as well, the one that I drove uh, a few weeks back as well. Yep, lovely. Thanks for that. Yep, that would be good that, to get some very insights from across the board, find out what you think of it. What did you think of it? Because you generally liked the TGX, although you thought that the predictive crews and the driver aid sort of things came up short. It wasn't very accurate in its topography. Uh, I remember re- remember reading that, although the overall, I mean, the truck, if you take it on board and drive it yourself, it works. If you just drive it manually, as it were, you know, it works perfectly well. So how did, they, how did you think the S-Way compared to the TGX, the two kind of new, the, 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 these are like two new trucks in the scene that are much, much higher quality than the ones that they replaced? Uh, yes, I agree. The S-Way um, really liked it. Some really nice touches and well-thought-out features. Um, a few things that didn't really work for me um, that I'll cover, but they were pretty um, minor, but still things that would probably annoy a driver day-to-day. For instance, the coffee cup, a standard coffee mug, wouldn't sit in either of the four coffee cups because the dash is too close. So it was at an angle, it was pivoted. And only when you got halfway through your coffee were you confident it wasn't going to pour all over you. But the build quality was better. I think the problem that MAN and Iveco have, and everybody other than Volvo and Scania is, you tend to compare everything to Volvo and Scania. And in my opinion, they do, when you, you're driving their vehicles, their exhaust brake, the engines, the gearbox, 99% of the time, they work exactly as they're intended to work, which is in a very high quality way, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. when you're in an MAN or an Iveco or a Mercedes and they're hit and miss with their performance, then you're always going to claim that they're substandard. But once you get used to it, you know, the the ride was nice, good driving position. I think if Echoes are are, are fabulous for their um, ergonomics, the driving position, because I drive a lot when I'm, I drive a lot of the Echoes when I'm not training for a Cardo. And I've got to say the driving position in those um, quality of build and all manner of other things, notwithstanding, is um, up there with the best. They, they, made, they made a lot of improvements over the, over the Stralis. The thing that I always say counts against it, there's too much plain black plastic going on. They could do uh, a bit of silver, a bit of walnut, a bit of carbon fibre just to... But that's an aesthetic thing. Just when you get in it, you go, oh, look at this. This is this is a bit nice. I find that the driving position, the seat was always far too high in the Stralis, and I find that it's all right now in the S-way if I drop the air out the seat. I think it could still be lower down. Um, but I mean, I can get by with it. It's all right. It's not like I'm sitting in a high chair or anything like, anything like yeah, that. I was in a, I was in a, a Stream Space Actros yesterday. Took it from Hatfield up to, well, I've done it four times this week, up to um, uh, Sheffield. And yeah, talking about sitting high up in a cab, you've got to really adjust that because there's a low dash there. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've afforded good bed space by 
dropping the dash and getting you close to the windscreen. And um, you're right with the the Aveco. You have to. Um, it takes a while to get into the position. But the other thing I found about the Aveco, which took a long time to get used to, it's like the boy that cried wolf because you'd have so many alarm bells and lights and warnings, and you just got used to learning to ignore them in a way. Obviously, at your peril, you you, you know you know the serious ones, but indicating yeah, that's and, it. You know, yeah, drivers get to know. Drivers become experienced in ignoring warnings that are nonsense because. If you came in and you actually went and reacted to every single warning that goes off in a truck, you'd never get anywhere. You have to realise, oh, wait, that was actually a serious warning as opposed to, oh, it's just pinging something again. It's just a sensor. It's just, <laughs> it's not important. Yeah, exactly. And, you, you know, you you learn to, especially it helps at nights when you've, you're saying it's got an indicator bulb out and you can see your reflection on the road. It's not actually happening yet. The dashboard is doing the double fast click, but... Yeah, it's just beeps and noises. And another thing, the MEN and the Aveco, they decided, you know, telling you, giving a loud beep, which I couldn't turn off, to tell you you've turned the cruise control off, you've disengaged it. Well, I I know. I did it. I pressed the button. I don't need to be told every time. And it's somebody's obviously sat in a forum and worked out that to somebody that is useful. Um, It's not too bad. It's not the end of the world. But to some people, I'm sure it would annoy them. But generally, I enjoy driving both of them. I've got a soft spot for MENs because it's the first vehicle I ever did a night out in in 2002 so you know it's um uh, you always like those but um yeah i like the aveco um they've thought about a number of things you'll see it in the article but there was one thing that was that was um a really bad design is the way that the uh offside fairing folded for you to gain access to the catwalk mm-hmm. it stuck out a piece of plastic of the fairing um that i mean you, you could easily stab yourself on it i know it sounds daft and you, you know you'd soon learn to it but i thought that's sticking out like that because first mm. time I did, I caught my jacket on it and pulled the pocket open. But yeah, you know, it's it's. Um, I think there's a lot more attention to detail is given to vehicles you pay a lot more money for. Uh, again, that's in my opinion. You know, there's a um, a lot more design goes into them, and therefore you pay that uh, when you're purchasing or leasing the vehicle. Yeah, that's a fair, it's a fair point. I mean, the, the thing with MAN and Iveco at the moment is the the way that the market's been and the fact that it's so difficult to get trucks and there's such long lead times. We've seen a lot of S-ways filtering into fleets same goes for the tgx but normal circumstances those fleets maybe wouldn't have bothered going for those trucks but because of the availability they've gone for it taking a chance and they seem to be doing really well the 510 tgx is almost universally applauded by everybody that i speak to on both fuel economy uh, and performance and the s-ways there's been a few 480 um, 11 liters going into places and they punch well above their weight you know, if you, there's certain other rival manufacturers, you think you're getting an 11 litre, an attractor unit, you're like, oh, no, but not the case with the Iveco. I'm getting the 490, the new 13 litre sometime in the summer, which I'm looking forward to, because the 570, of course, as well, is a rocket. That's a great, great <laughs> bit of kit, that. Um, although it's not something that I would probably let just anybody loose in either, you know, because it's, it's quite, it's a, it's a lively bit of kit. Yeah, the, um, I must say, I, uh, through um, the small experience I got in the MAN, the um, MPG was good. But I found the engine, um, it was gutsy. It dig, dig, dig deep well um, up there with some of the better um, experiences I've had. And I was quite impressed with that. It really did lug well on the hills. I had a fair load on the second load I did. The Avecos, they're diff- a bit more, they're a bit, it's, it's more difficult to compare those because they're CNG. So, oh, you're driving the gas version truck. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Yeah, that is something that kind of sits sits on its own um they're still doing well in these uh, gas trucks are starting to filter in into more places the government is doing absolutely nothing to help this and it does like because it's got a combustion engine in it and they're obsessed with battery technology 
gas has definitely got a useful role to play. I think it's a disgrace that in Scotland you can't run a gas truck anymore because the infrastructure has been removed and the government, nobody's yes. doing any, anything to help out with any of this. And if you're a haulier, it's a difficult situation to be in where if you're going to buy a gas truck, what sort of residual values are going to be in it after five years? And what's my infrastructure investment got to be to be able to fuel these trucks up and, and things? It reduces it reduces um, what you can do quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. People, people don't like, there's that much unknown going on at the moment that you can't bend with that unless you're like a massive own account hauler or something, a supermarket or something like that, where you know that you can run them into the ground for 10 years and throw them away afterwards. You're not going to be worried about that. Absolutely. But the good thing about the gas trucks is generally they do work very much like a diesel vehicle. You know, it's, they're a bit quieter. There's a bit less low down torque and they rev a bit harder, especially yeah. compared yeah. to the modern diesels, which are very low, low revving in comparison. But, you know, you can just get in one and generally get on with it. There's nothing to, nothing to worry about. And I've always... I've always liked them. Well, it was LNG ones that I was driving when I when I had one full time. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed it. I think the experience has been good. Um, they usually send the diesel units up to do further journeys when they go to Knowsley and stuff like that. But going up to Sheffield, you've got Crick, so you can pull over there. And I've got to say, the staff there are very helpful um, mm. if it's your first time. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a. I think hydrogen's got um, a future. The problem is it's being uh, muddied with grey hydrogen, but green hydrogen is 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 very much a. Um, uh, has a future. The only problem is, much like the electric uh, 10, 15 years ago, where's the infrastructure? Who's going to invest in it? And how are we going to get the technology to develop? I think Hyundai are world leaders. They're doing some very good work on on that. And it'll come, but mm-hmm. it's a long way away. But like, the, look at the car market. People were laughing at people with electric cars 10 years ago, and now you can't move them, really, can you? So it's, no, it's there's tremendous. A few of them t- there's definitely a few, a, more of them turning up on the road now. There was something I'd read, and I'd read something the other day as well, saying that, that the price of supercharging for the electrics, which isn't the fault of the electric vehicle, this is a market, but supercharging, the cost of it has gone through the roof. And it's now at the point where in certain parts of, depending on where you are, it's now more expensive to charge an electric vehicle than to put a tank of petrol in it. And it's like, well, that's just... <laughs> But that's ridiculous, you know. The pro- with this net zero stuff coming up, we need to stop using trucks by 2040 with diesel engines and all this. And that's not going to. You can't force this sort of stuff. You need the economy to be in a good place. You need people to have disposable income. You need companies to be able to invest in things. And if everybody's just scraping by, then we're not yeah. going to be able to get to that, you know. And hydrogen's definitely that's what um, you're, you're going to see the truck manufacturers move towards that for long haul, larger capacity operations as well. Um, but the other thing is our diesel engines are so clean and so fantastic and efficient, and I keep banging on about it these days, that, you know, that there's not really any urgent pressing need to be getting rid of them all. Um, there's, le- there's no oh, any yeah, more yeah. trucks on the road. There's not any more. We'll get to it when we're ready. You know, not don't force it and make things worse in the long run. Well, it's one of the slides I do for my um, uh, as part of my training package, and you show that if you look at a graph of Euro 6 particulates and such mm. versus not mm. pumped out of a... HGV, Euro 1, and then if you look at Euro 6, there's absolutely nothing pumped out compared. I mean, you can barely see the fleck on the graph. However, the volume of traffic on the road means we're pretty similar position to where we were when Euro 1 were out, was out. So, you know, and that's a thing that is part of my, um, I'm not trying to make this a marketing uh, podcast, by the way. But I don't mind, I'll, of... let, I'll let you talk about it and I'll get to it anyway, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's then that's why I want to do what I want to do is that um, technology has reached apart from moving on to other you know um, uh, disciplines like um, hydrogen electric. Yeah. Um, we've got to change the way that we drive HGVs. 
Uh, and that's where I can, you know, where I come in, and that's what I've been looking at because you're right. Um, Euro six, what is pumped out of those? I mean, often it's cleaner than what's pumped in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not really shouting about it enough because of the demonization of diesel fuel. You know, that's yes. something. I mean, diesel cars, but it's old diesels. I was behind. I was moaning again on my YouTube channel. I was behind. If you you can smell an old diesel, a ten year old diesel vehicle. Yeah. Quite often, it's one that somebody's mucked about with and gone and ripped the cats out of or something like that as well. Oh, it's a twelve, it's a twelve plate um, Audi A4 TDI or something, and the thing stinks from a hundred yards away. Yeah. And they're, they're the sort of things that are like that's a, the comparison between that and a diesel vehicle that's just rolled off the production line or is a couple of years old. It's like night and day. There's no comparison between the two at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, when people have breathed on them, especially when you get those cars that they've got like the um, rear light cluster above where the exhaust exit is, is completely mm. sooted out because they've remapped it. And it may be fast, but I mean, it looks like the Black Pearl off um, Pirates of the Caribbean, doesn't it? It's just going up the road. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, there's remapping and there's remapping, but it just shows, I mean, back in the Back in like the sort of 90s, early 2000s and things when like uh, the, the police don't have the resources anymore because when you were out on the road back then, you would be getting stopped all the time and you'd be getting handed producers for all sorts of different things in cars. And these days, though, you can pretty much get away with driving about with a car throwing out a little black smoke. There's nobody there to stop you or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. There was a, um, funny enough, I wish I had my um, dash cam on yesterday. I was in um, Woodall Services and there's a tyre... Um, uh, emergency tyre um, van, um, HGV one that came past, and he had the, the the blacked out driver's window on his Sprinter. I've never seen such a dark tint. I mean, how he saw out of it. I mean, it was it was so well, that's, dark. That's highly illegal. That like that's it, like it, if they're stopping, if you can't get that tint off your window, they won't let you drive on. If 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 you get stopped though, I'm saying you're not likely to get stopped. But that's a that was a tyre van with a dark tinted yeah, driver's yeah. window. Weird. Why yeah, would I think it's a Preston's of Potto um, Renault T Renault T cab. Um, it came into the service. He had a trombone trailer on, and he put all through three wheels on the high curb. Crashed a bit like that video you just sent. Crashed over and popped the front tire. Oh, I don't like. Why is it in so many services and areas and all that? I know he's made a mistake, but why are there so many stupid high curbs and things like that in these places that you can end up catching if you but you get. Um, distracted for a second or anything like that. There should be more things where you go and hang a truck on it. It doesn't destroy things spectacularly, I think. (laughs) You need to to mitigate against things like that happening instead of it, you know, you ended up like hauling tyres and bogeys off the back of things, you know? Yeah, hell of a video that is. You should put that up somewhere. Yeah, well, that's because I said, because I just happened on this just before we started the podcast, there was a video on Reddit uh, which is a social media platform that nobody in the UK uses, as far as I can tell. I'm the only person that goes on it. But there's a truckers page on it. It's all American trucks. But there's a guy with a a semi, a 53 foot trailer, Arctic, and he basically goes and gets the back to the tandem axles because they're all twin twin wheels on, on these American things. And he basically manages to haul the entire set of wheels off the back of it. Eight wheels come the whole bogey gets ripped off on these bollards and then he just keeps going dragging the trailer and you do see these weird videos in america and i think to myself is this actually like a re- has somebody stolen that truck and done that as vandalism or you know has somebody been like pissed off at their employer and thought right before i leave i'm going to do this because it seems unfathomable that you could yeah. manage to do that to such an, an incredible incredibly destructive degree um, of managing to pull the entire set of rear wheels off the trailer. He has a fact, good go. 
Oh, he, he definitely has eye is a bloody good go to get it moving because of an automatic. That would probably be an automatic that truck as well, uh, and that yeah. would that would have had a lot of resistance on the pedal for it to go and move. Yeah, it would be quite determined to go and rip the entire yeah. bogey off the back of a trailer. And I, I, don't, I don't know how it must be. Did you see it in Twitter? Yeah, that's. I saw it about five minutes before you sent it. So um, oh, bro, it's on Twitter. Oh, All right, well that's cool. If it's on Twitter, because nobody bloody looks at Reddit apart from me. Does anybody look at Reddit? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think uh, you, my brother, and my, uh, my dad. But um, I'll send this over to you now, uh, so you've got it, so you can uh, you can use it. Cool. Oh, thanks for that. So, I mean, you obviously you've been one side of what you've been doing is your, your HGV driver training and things, getting out there as well. But you're also driving regularly as well. So you've been out in the CNGI Veco sort of largely lately. Has that been the one? You've been driving this, doing the most of things that you a bit of variety. Yeah, it's um when I'm not training, I'm yeah, it's either the CNG of Echoes or there's a uh, tipper company I work for. They've got Arctic tippers, eight before tippers, and they've got um uh, cement uh, powder tankers where you just blow it off. So, but there's a reason for me not um, training at the moment because I think I mentioned to you earlier in the week. I'm um. I've been looking for job approval, so I get accreditation for my course as, um, you know, for the day's training. It's a seven-hour approved CPC mm-hmm. course, and um, that takes quite a bit of time, especially when you're working. So rather than do training and then not be able to offer it, I've taken a few weeks off and just put together this package because apart from the considerable cost, it's a lot of uh, time and effort you have to invest yep. into it to make sure that... Well, I, as well, I mean, that makes it, that makes it very attractive as well if you're getting a day's cpc training out it you know that's a day potentially yeah. that you're you're not going to have to go and drag everybody into a classroom and get them to sit there and do driver's hours again for the, the yeah the um, fifth time of that you know so that, that's a, that's definitely a good idea good idea but I, um with the joke sort of aspect to that is there a lot of written work that you've got to do for this is a lot of like explaining to them what you're going to do like writing a thesis on it which, yeah uh, yeah, you've got to you've got to apply to become a centre. So that is, um, uh, you become a training centre before you submit your application for a course. So yeah, I've got to show them that I have um, uh, audit processes in place. How often I will audit, how I will do it, how I will um, educate myself. What are my qualifications? What is the course structure? What will I, you know, um, how will I um, manage it? Am I in charge of um, uh, GDPR? Um, so it's a, it's an awful mm. lot of admin and. Follow a lot of forms that aren't big enough. So you fill in the form and then you reference all your own paperwork saying, you know, you've got to elaborate. I, I must admit, it's very good. You get, you get an account manager. They're very attentive. And when you submit, they come back and say what they need and what they want. The only thing I'd say that is a bit of a problem with it is that in order for you to be considered as a centre, you submit your application form with £1,500. And there's no guarantee that you will become accredited. You could oh. be rejected. So you've got to take that big gamble. I mean, they could at least ask for a small amount, have a check and say it's likely and then go on. Mm. So, you know, you've got to make sure you're putting a, a lot of effort into it. And then the the the, uh, the course I thought was going to be more difficult, but I suppose once you've done the uh, centre side of it, you sort of know what they're asking for. Um, I've got, I applied for that this week. And again, that's 256 quid because they charge you X amount per hour. Mm. So they've come back with um, uh, it's purely two things I have to reformat. So really pleased with that. So hopefully by, by the beginning of next week, I will have course approval. They're, they're quite hesitant in making uh, allowing courses that have driver mentors and driver training as such. But I've had to negotiate with them because 
I did this for Scania where I did their mod B, which was um, take the driver out in the morning after the introduction for hour and a half, two hour run. So, you know, it's A roads, B roads, all sorts of bits and bobs, you know, town centers, get back hundred slides plus. Um, and this was for other people I did this as well. And then take the driver out for a second run. And then it's um, uh, discuss a few bits of the driver, a bit of a quiz, and then go through the comparative test results. Cause it's a, um, you know, the control is the, the route. So I've had to be, my, my course doesn't do that. I go on a revenue earning day with the driver. So, Jabbed are very keen on feedback and they want you to find out how you're going to get, you know, your course um, uh, uh, appraised by the hauliers and particularly the drivers. So what I've said is you won't get results on the day, anything like you do on other driver training on this sort of um, format where it's a um, set route. But over the four weeks, I'm looking for improvement figures in MPG driver scores, um, use of exhaust brake, uh, you know, removal of kick down, all things like that. And it's it looks like um, uh, they've agreed to it. And then my, my main argument Wait. is what what I used to find was so difficult, Dougie, was we'd be saying to a customer, look, you're taking him out for safe and efficient um, uh, driving. And uh, but what we want you to do is take your truck off the road, fuel it, load it, and then we'll take a drive around. And you will. I mean, what they're going to lose? Five hundred quid for revenue? Yeah, it's, it's, it's no, nobody, nobody got time for that, you know. Well, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, you do need that four-week period as well because you can't just – you need, like, a, a a reasonable amount of time to look at sort of an overall picture as well because with certain lorries, like tippers and things like that, you can get a tipper that's on a job for a week where it's shunting back and forth and doing five miles to the gallon because it never gets going. And then the next week it's on yeah. motorway work doing 40-mile runs and it's up to 10 miles to the gallon. It's – you can't compare. You know, you need to be mindful of just um, that you're not. You're rarely comparing like for exact like, unless you're on like a trunking operation. Um, from, that's a good from a professional point of view, I stay in touch for up to a year afterwards, and maybe more. I mean, I'm still in touch with people I did last summer because I want to see how they're doing, and if they're not doing as good, there'll be reasons why. Because as you said, there are some jobs, you know, people on PTO, but. You know, driver train hasn't got a very good reputation um, and it tends to be, uh, you know, a few days after they notice the figures going back to, to normal. But that's why it's a day with me and it's taken a long time to get this course together and perfect it because I work with the psychology of the driver, you know, just to make sure they understand. And, you know, it's not just showing, you know, those slides that I used to have to show them for the manufacturers. I mean, one of them was getting them to understand the ins and outs of a common rail diesel injector system. I mean... What driver wants to bloody well know about that? I mean, some do, but I mean... Yeah, but some, I, yeah, not by all means. That's not a universal sort of thing at all, no. You, no, it's, uh, that's what I do. It's always the, the psychology of the driver. Is, no, but has anybody ever, in academia or otherwise, ever written a book looking at the psychology of the British truck driver? What goes on there? Because there's, there's a lot of stuff that's um, built in to, to people uh, mentally. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that you will pick up and accumulate sort of quickly as well when you're out in the road and, and doing various things. It's um, I, that's the psychology of the British lorry driver. I could read well, a book about that, maybe. I don't know that about psychology. That's a bit of a stumbling block, but, you know. <laughs> well, 50% of my day is, um, is, is there's you know, psychology behind the wheel, and then 50% is uh, the physical handling of the vehicle. You know, it's, um, uh, mm. it's, it's, you know, it's understanding. It's not just being told mm -hmm. this is what you've got to do you know back it up um give them reasons and if they've got a question and they want to yeah. challenge it do because yeah. i've got a you know everything is you know you learn every day you fine-tune whatever you're doing so it's uh mm -hmm. 
great conversation. Well, it's, 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 the physical sort of side of actually, you know, controlling the vehicle and making it do what it's supposed to do and things as well. And that's yeah, and, and that's that's something I have to get across is that there's you know there's a lot of pride and that you can get a bit of resistance. And I just say to them, look, I'm not here to tell you how to maneuver the vehicle because you know 99 percent of the drivers you see on the on the roads they're brilliant. They can maneuver the vehicle, reverse it. That's their job, and they do it day in day out. It's all about getting the best out of it according to what the manufacturer is looking for and driving styles and technology changes. And as it updates, and I educate myself on that, people need to learn it. And, you know, Hando is a non-existent. Every Hawley I talk to, they say, oh, well, yes. yeah, you came in, you know, and, and it's, it's nobody's to blame. It's the way life is. No one's got time. You know, if you're delivering 10 vehicles, that guy who's delivering them with the mm. salesman, he's got to go and deliver another few later on that day. So, you know, retrospective Hando was a very important. Mm-hmm. No, it does. And I said that, the manner in which you've got to drive vehicles has changed and all that. But Euro, just at Euro 6D there, when they downsped the engines and up the diff ratios, so the trucks are now revving much more uh, slowly and they will hold on to it for a lot longer. That's a, it, well, I remember like psychologically to begin with, with um, some of those trucks, I was like, oh, I, I need to change down in it. And I was like, no, I'll just, I'll just leave it and see how it'll get on. And it would go over the hill yeah. itself. You didn't need to put it into 11th because it would hold on to it, but like you're quite a lot of things. You're like, ah, get it down, get it going. And the, 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 things like that do continue, do continue to evolve and they do continue to get more complicated. It is difficult to get all that information out there to the drivers who are busy working like all the time. You say doing doing brilliant stuff, avoiding avoiding um, accidents continually over the course of the day by people who put themselves in the vicinity of your truck without looking and things. You know, people don't get the credit for any of that. There was a post about that this week on um, Twitter and uh, something we mentioned on the last podcast. And yeah, there's definitely a sixth sense. And uh, I think the, uh, it, w- it would be what a matter of hours. This country would grind to a halt if every lorry driver lost that sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you can see it. People know. If you're yeah. driving them now, you can see something coming out a slip road as to what it's going to do. And sometimes it, you can you know because of what car it is because it might be a Honda Jazz. Or, you know, a Toyota Igo or something. And you're like, yeah, I think that this is going to pull out into my space on the road and then stop, you know. But you do, I mean, even with other vehicles, you just get a look. You don't know what it is, but you're like, this is going to do something weird here. I don't I don't like the look yeah. of this. I'm going to back off or I'm going to give it a bit of extra space. And then lo and behold, it's in the wrong lane and cuts right across the roundabout or something. People get it all the time. And um, lorry drivers um, do have, they do develop a particular sort of... Um, uh, sixth sense, a bit of ESP, extra extra sensory <laughs> perception. That's called, isn't it? It's not. It's not something the trucks. You'll never get that with an automated truck. It's all very well in America. They're doing a lot of testing with full automated trucks. But that, if you're running across the Nevada desert in the middle of nowhere, then that's fair enough. But if you're in like a traffic choked M6, M1, M42, anywhere like that. The truth is not going to have that sixth sense and understand what's going on and be looking 200 yards down the road to think, maybe I'll get over this lane here. Ain't going to work. No, no, good point. Yeah, you're right. The uh, um, human intervention. Mm. A lot to be, yes, a lot to be a- said for that. So you obviously yeah. you're busy with that with the joked course and doing a bit of driving uh, with the other, with the, um, the Ivecos and doing a bit of fleet related stuff and things but yeah it's it's um uh, it's one of my bugbears which you'll see on posts that i've been doing but i do quite a bit on linkedin on this but um uh, the life of an agency driver is something that is um uh something i've uh 
been trying to work hard on and it's never been very easy but in the last year 18 months um, especially with this um uh, with drivers being removed from the ability to work under the ir that's uh, that's uh, infuriating what they did with self-employed drivers because okay there were guys out there who were taking the piss there were companies that were taking the piss but you can't just go and tar everybody with the same brush there was genuine there are genuinely people out there who were self-employed lorry drivers who were doing other things and i counted myself in that as well because when i was driving before i did this job full time well i am still registered as self-employed as well uh, because of various other things that I, that I do um, including like car mechanic stuff but there's people who are diving about and doing genuine things differently and that IR35 thing where they've made it so much more difficult and they've made hauliers much more paranoid about things uh, because of employing people on a self-employed basis you can't go and run for like five or six hauliers and be on their books for it all but it just doesn't work like that you need to be self-employed because of your tax situation with everything else because you need to put stuff through the books and oh it's just I'm really disappointed that the government uh, went went and did that. Well, it's the it, I totally agree, and you know you've got these umbrella companies that are charging you between Rep fifteen twenty five yeah pound a week to to effectively um, create your payslip as a PAYE employee. You know they I, I'm through uh, that tipper company. Also, I've, I've actually um through somebody I know they recommended um, a guy who I have been in touch with on and off. Um, uh, for certain other things, he starts an agency. So uh, uh, two weeks ago today, I did a first shift for them um, uh, for a large parcel company. And I had to go through my third umbrella company, registered with them, and they charge £22 a week for me oh. to have the privilege. And, you know, and they, and the thing is, it's, it's okay at the moment. Um, it's, it's okay for me. But what these this company now do, and they came and said, um, it's any time up until 5 p.m. on Friday, you'll get paid. Now, it always used to be overnight, Thursday night, get paid, and drivers can rely on that. And, you know, people are, uh, are struggling at the moment. So if you're not getting paid till 5 p.m. on a Friday. Sorry, I mean, I, I, that's, that's outrageous. I, I, that's really an, yeah. an, annoying that. I mean, it's, um, aye, it's a big, I've been, I don't really go near sort of big companies or anything when I'm doing driving uh, aspects on that. Myself, I am set up like self-employed as like, um, what did I call myself again? Rank one media services as well. So I was like, I'd put it in, well, I just changed the I and rank into one. But I said, well, this is, I'm out like, I'm out assessing these trucks. I mean, a lot of the time with truck and driver, I'm supplying my own truck as well. Okay. So I'm supplying a demonstrator. And I'm like, well, I'm putting this demonstrator into your company to show it off as to what it can do. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's that, that's okay. That's fine. That, but you're you're um, consultants, and, you, and do you go yes. for company under N ninety employees so you can duck under that? And yeah, basically, yeah. Just, just uh, you work for the sort of smaller ones and that who do. I yeah. mean, there's still there's still plenty of it on the go, and it's right, uh, correct, done correctly as well. You know that that's that's the thing. The government have uh, a real disappointment with that, and I say as well. I mentioned it in the last podcast, which. The price of what the hell's going on with the price of fuel as well? Because hauliers are getting absolutely hammered with this. Fuel was supposed to come down five pence a litre, which um, uh, the Chancellor did. And all the petrol uh, companies, uh, the, the, the garages just kept it. They didn't pass it on. And fuel is now It's like the day before, anyway. Yeah, it's £1.70 a litre for normal unleaded at the at the, uh, at the pump. And diesel's like £2 a litre now in some places. Obviously, and it's about yeah. $1.41 on a diesel card on a truck. But I don't know, the, the wholesale price of oil's come down, uh, which is, it, I don't understand why it's as high as it is at the moment. And I would imagine that, you know, a lot, of, I've spoken to companies before, and they're like, we don't care about fuel, we just want to get the work done. And I take it the guys that are in these positions there must be, 
they must be all, their customers must be all right with them, like continually firing stuff onto the end user. And I think there's a lot of understanding for the people understand that that's the situation, but the fuel that's really infuriating at the moment as well. It's making things worse when I don't think it needs to be like that. Well, it's, I mean, you've got to be careful how you get political with this, but it's across the whole of the house. But from the way I see it is you've got, uh, if you look at the first quarter profits from Shell and BP combined, mm. it's £10 billion, I believe. Um, and there is, it's twofold on this because there's a the latest scandal that is yet to come out is MPs' second jobs because uh, there's a large proportion of them, they get paid to do one day a month and get paid 100 grand a year to do it. Mm. And they are working for food companies, you know, food lobby, fuel lobby. So oh, the, yeah, the, consult, the consultants and things as well, they, what you can guarantee that they won't be having problems going through IR35 and umbrella companies to be able to go and do all this. Who's that guy that said about the food banks, all people need is, you know, I can make a meal on 30 pence, you know, and um, and do you look at him? So he's on 80 um, grand a year and he claims 200 and something. Now, um, this is this is my own personal figures. I'm not saying that this is anything to do with truck and driver. So, I, you know, um, this allegedly his uh, ex- expenses were over 200,000 pounds. You know, it's just the, you know, people can claim that they've got a business to run, but 200 and whatever it is, thousand pounds expenses. And it doesn't that work out then if you're on 300 grand a year with your expenses so if i could claim expenses and his salary that works out that i'm on working days per year is it something like a thousand or twelve hundred pounds a day and they're not doing much I mean, either they're buggered off for a good long summer holiday and things as well it's um and the subsidies you get um, a meal allowance every day they can all claim that 20 yeah you get, you get everything that's going i really want i was like saying i've said before i want to get into politics because especially yeah. in, well in scotland We've got another whole layer of politicians with the Scottish Parliament, which is um, it really I don't think it's very good value for value for money uh, at all. Uh, and there's because the, the standard of politicians are incredibly low. And I was like, I could get into this, but the problem is, who do you go for uh, up in Scotland uh, to go and like yeah. what colours do you nail nail to the mast and things? It is difficult. Well, I don't think the political parties are representing people accurately what you've got going on now labor used to be the party of the working man uh, and it's now becoming the party of sort of liberal metropolitan elites and the conservatives are becoming more of the working class party even though the people who are actually like the mps and the people in the conservative party are all etonians and you know proper lies some of them are just a bunch of like twats like reese mogg oh it makes your skin crawl anyway yeah let's uh, it's not any political (laughs) the criticism of the political system yeah. Well, it's just, it comes to it just well, but it's a bit of it. If you're talking about sort of um, the difficulties that we've got with IR35 and being ripped on umbrella companies and things like that, which is it made the driver shortage worth it. It's just, it's pretty sickening, uh, all that, just to go the, the, the difficulties and- that it's caused people who are genuinely hardworking, um, honest people who are filing correct tax returns and things, really insensitive and um, un, uh, unfair. Just but to generally, go- the life. The life for a lorry driver at the moment, you know, um, uh, working lights, working nights um, is something that I've been doing through. Um, it's just um, uh, because it works well for the, um, my home life right now. Awful. Um, uh, you know, the things that you have to go to and, you know, you go to garages and you have to wait at the window. Well, I can't see the offers. I can't I can't choose what I want to eat. I can't choose oh, the yeah, coffee. Yeah, really bad thing, sort of things at night. I could, uh, uh, night I day. Was, it's the law, mate. Well, it's not the law. Um, That's not the law. But they use that. And then there'll be, you know, it's, but even for drivers, you know, I'm seeing so many drivers having their fuel taken for things, for th- places like Cobham Services overnight, midweek, having 500 mm. litres taken out of, 
coaches and trucks. You know, where's the security? Um, and, you know, I saw someone the other day, he said he was in um, uh, a very large high-end supermarket um, distribution centre in Reading, waiting for five hours. He actually posted a picture of the toilet. In Reading? Oh, no, nobody could guess from that, who that could be. <laughs> yeah. And five hours with a toilet that had been destroyed. And you think, well, you know, what if that's, um, you know, human rights. Um, you know, you, you, it's just, you know, this thing that yep. we saw the other day, you commented, you know, driver's rooms now. Yeah, well, listen, I'm going to have a kick off about this. I think I want to get some memes, sort of posters made up because the supermarkets have decided to go back to making drivers sit in their stinking waiting rooms because um, the pandemic's sort of over. Uh, but the, the lorry drivers, when they could sit in the cab, they were rested, they, were, they could relax, you know, they, they could actually get a proper break. Because if you're sitting in these uncomfortable places, it's ridiculous. And I think I'm going to go and I want to get some sort of posters made up, sort of promotional material that says, you know, these supermarkets make lorry drivers tired and stressed on purpose. You know, do yeah, you do you, do you know um, uh, do you know that you, there are lorry drivers on the road who've been made to sit in places like this for hours on end, and then they're back on the road having to drive for four and a half hours at the time? I think this should be made much more public because they had no bloody yeah. business going and putting people back in those waiting rooms again. Because yeah. it's, it's not even look at the shape of the seats in these places. You know, it's to go and have to sit upright and things as well. And if you're in the truck, you've got all your stuff there to hand. You can lie down in the bunk. You can sit in the passenger seat and swivel it around and watch a programme of your choice and everything like that. You might have park, every chance you've got parking air con that you can run so you're cool and relaxed. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. You look at, you, you go to these driver's rooms, um, there's bin juice leaking out of the bins, there's mm. um, seats are all torn, toilets are horrendous, um, there's one crap coffee machine and the vending machine's been emptied because all the drivers have been there for four hours starving, eating That's it, you can, you can go out in the fridge of your truck and get out a lovely salad or something like that, you can go and switch your coffee maker on all the time and sit and be perfectly calm and relaxed instead of having to go back into these stupid places again. I'm going to have a, you know, going to... Kick Here's a question I could feel to some of the listeners. They would be something because I've um I'm going to add courses to my um training because um come towards the end of the year I'm going to be looking to be um working a little closer to home. Funny enough, because at the age of 45, um my um partner and I were expecting our first child in September. So hey, congratulations! Been, yeah. hey, that's uh that's good going. But we're I'm looking at doing some courses. One of them because uh, I'm going to go modular uh, for the CPC. One I'm going to do is about um, healthy eating on the road. You know, when I've been tramping, and last time I tramped two years ago, and I can, you know, you can cook anything on the road, and you can be healthy and watch your calories mm. and eat stuff that will fill you up. It's good for you. Um, so I'm going to do that. Another one I'm going to do is for new drivers. You know, what's, no one's ever told what kit they need. Sometimes I see new drivers turn out to places and they got a rucksack and they got their lunch and a pair of gloves. And you think you need, you know, you need a minimum amount of stuff on you um, and lessons, you know, like black when you um, unhitch a trailer, all those sort of things. So I might do a short course for, but I just, you know, drivers obviously have been to CPC courses, which they thought are pretty poorly targeted at them. You know, what yes. would they like? Mm -hmm. What's something that they would like to look at? What would be something that would be useful and that they would choose not for? Because, you know, classroom-based is something that I would, I'm also going to look yes, at. Because, that, you know, people don't, it's so Did it, you, you go into so many places, you look at so many things, you go, did anybody ask a driver about this? Clearly yeah. not, you know, and that goes for so many things. From like you go into a brand, well, a lot of RBCs and everything like you go in and you go, who the hell's designed this? But of yeah. course, nobody yeah. ever, nobody ever asks drivers. Yeah, stuff like, stuff like that. No, right? um, 
car parcel company I worked for uh, that Saturday. Um, uh, enormous place. And people know it. It's at the top of the A5 before the M69 at Hinkley. It's an absolute whopper of a site. But they've crammed so many vehicles and trailers in there parking. Actually, getting on the bay is tight. Would you yeah. believe it? And it's, you just think, oh, you know, make for a space of a few trailers. And they've got loads of spare space. But that's me talking as a driver, not as somebody running the site. Um, but I tell you what, they were... Um, uh, again, you know, talking about the life of not just an agency driver, but a driver had an um, induction, sign away a load of papers, um, which just absolved the company of any responsibility ever. So mm -hmm. through one piece of A4, I was taught how to use a dual height um, uh, fifth wheel. I mean, you, you, you stick in a trailer, a double decker, and that's all they did. So luckily, there was a guy there to assist me on this Saturday. Um, I knew what I was doing, but he went through a few bits, and there were some things I didn't know. Mm. Um, the girl who was there was a van supervisor. She said, I don't really do this. I've only been here a few months. So look, uh, sign these papers, and that guy in the mm. yard will help you. Drive up to the depot. I think I got there at about 5 o'clock, 25 past 5. They said, look, you'll need an induction on this site. Sit in your cab. Your trailer's ready at 10. So I'm looking at four and a half hours sitting around. And then at half past nine, they phoned me up in the cab and said, oh, there's no chance of an induction. You have to leave your unit there. You're going to get taken back by a driver who's going to take your trailer. So I went oh. back as a passenger. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't even take the unit I'd taken up there. And when I got back there, I got a message the next day from this agency. And it was so hostile, Dougie. And it said, you have until 10 o'clock tomorrow. Why did you go over microlize? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Guilty until proven innocent. And I thought... If you're a new driver coming to the industry and you get that day, you're just going to screw up your license and fuck off. Yeah, going to do so. Yeah, you're going to you've been mortified. But that's going to do one of two things. You're going to terrify people like that. You're going to like upset them, make them think they're not going to do it. And you've got a lot of people as well who'll be on the phone going, "You know what you can do with your job?" Because, yeah. Ah, just it, the agency thing. Ah, that's why. I mean, because you do is what I mean. Agency drivers and that you go into places that you're from the agency. And if, you yeah. know, there, there is like a reputation for, for things like that, but a lot of it's into like people being inexperienced, not being trained properly, being left to get on with things. That's an issue with agency drivers as well. A lot of them do like you know an amazing, an amazing job. I mean, it does it does right. suit some well, people as well to have the flexibility there. But this hostility and this just nonsense health and safety stuff that makes no sense at all. There's been no induction around and that. Ah, just. Uh, just absorbing responsibility. But you're oh. right about this thing about um, agency drivers left on their own because I've worked with companies where I've said, you know, you send drivers out who on, you know, like um, pallet network jobs and on a class two around the area and they, they told you they're not from the area, you're giving them 10 drops and eight of them are regular. Make a delivery guide. Because mm. if they don't know these places and they're tight mm. and nasty, on my systems, they'd like you to drive in, they'll back you out. Drivers will just bring the pallets back and they never go back there because it's stressful, it's hard work. And, you know, there's got to be a two-way um, door. Drivers have got to try hard and a lot to do. And I've been a transfer mm -hmm. manager. The majority of agency drivers, if you show them a little bit of time at the beginning of the shift, instead of a bunch of keys, there's the postcode, sign these papers and off you go. And they tend to come back. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not prevalent. And obviously, um, there are agency drivers who will go and ruin HGVs for uh, – the um, full-time staff, and we know all about that. Um, yeah, and it's, but it's, you get it. 
there's full-time guys that do these sort of things as well in companies and all, you know, you'll get, you you get like cantankerous like folk and that who just like, they they don't like the guys who polish their wheels and polish their tank and keep the truck mint and all that. So if they get the opportunity to go and drive somebody else's truck, they'll just, you know, they'll get in it with their boots on and just muck the thing up and everything like that. And that's like, it's not, you know, that's not only an agency driver sort of thing. But again, it is getting, it's it's educating people as they come in the door as well instead of just battering them over the head with um, a load of uh, pointless sort of health and safety nonsense that's not relevant to the job in the real world. Yeah, and that's something I want to do with um, new drivers because often new drivers will go in this agency. And, you know, for instance, one of the most important things you can ever carry as a lorry driver is a pack of wet wipes because once you've found that bit of fifth wheel grease on your hand and thought, oh, have I scratched my face? Is it on the steering wheel? You know, you can clean yourself up and clean everything up. But, you know, I, it's being, I just, yeah, being made aware of fifth wheel grease and where you might encounter it as well because you don't, you wouldn't know about that because there's a thing that, Sometimes you get garages and they'll go and put like an, an entire, you know, uh, tubes of grease all over the fifth wheel, far too much of the bloody stuff. So when it, as soon as it connects into a trailer, it all squidges away up the side. So when you stick yeah. there, every bit of high-vis clothing I've got has got grease on the shoulder. Because when you're reaching yeah. under, you're bumping the bottom of this trailer where all this grease shouldn't be. And then you get it in certain trailers where it then gets dragged out all over the Susie's. Uh, and it just, I, and you, you get it on your... If you get it on like, um, I've got like black work trousers and, that, and you get it on black work trousers and then you go and you're driving along and you put your hand on your thigh and then you're like, oh my God, and you're a big dot of black grease somewhere. And then it's like terrifying to go and, to go and identify where that's come from. Uh, yeah, Tracy. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's, um, it's yeah, the, uh, the dog clip and you get into the cab and you think, well, where has that come from? But you know, there's, there's, there's lots of, because I found that a lot of drivers who come from, who are newly passed, are pretty steady away in their approach to driving. But again, mm. they do, they're only told how to maneuver the truck, not how to get the best out of it. But, you know, there's 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 tips and there's a level of kit you need to take with you, you know, mm. and you, you've got to have um, certain things. And I think it's a, it's an important lesson. And that thing about, um, uh, something I, I talk with drivers about is um, I was taught um, when hitching and unhitching black. I don't know if you were taught that. I mean, oh yeah, that's that's well that's um, quite a well known acronym. That one. It's brakes, legs, ancillaries. Brakes, legs, airlines. Air legs, brakes. But the problem is, um, I see a lot of drivers not following that, and that's their own right. But I'll tell you now, and I've got to be careful saying this. So I got my license in two thousand one, my class one, and I've done considerable amount of driving i've never pulled an airline and i've never dropped a trailer on its legs but the closest on its knees but the closest i've ever come was after a couple of years when phones got a bit more popular i remember standing on the catwalk on the phone got in the cab and i was just about to pull it out and i hadn't done the legs mm. i stopped and i thought hold on a second because i was going to put the phone down mm. but you know drivers some young drivers have spoken hey. having taught that so it's, it's so easy and it can happen to anybody that you know anybody can do something with that it just you know, it only takes a second to be distracted or or something you know not going your way that day and things like that I, it's um uh, it, it's um yeah an easy one to get caught out on you know i would never be i would never stand there and go oh look he's done that you know i'd probably just try and like help him <laughs> see that's the thing is that um uh, as i said i've never had it done and i've always followed black which means you never um, you know, if you follow it, there's no chance of you dropping on his knees or pulling the airline. No. But 
The problem is, because I've never done it, then if you look at the other way around, then I'm due something like that. But, no way, I wouldn't say necessarily you're due something. I don't know. The probability. But no, but when you watch driving, <laughs> and you see a line and there's a truck on a, and a trailer on its knees and you think, that guy's, you know, you don't know the situation that led to that. And um, uh, it's easily done. And also bridge strikes. You see people getting mm. on their high horse. Uh-huh. I just think mistakes happen i mean it's a phrase i use with young drivers or new drivers i say to them i say listen in my career i've had a couple of times where i've thought it's either going to be a chinook or a crane that sort of with with modern technology with gps now as well it's amazing that there's not something in place which could easily prevent a truck ever hitting a bridge simple as that it would not be difficult to go and set that up on a truck because they've all got gps connectivity in them now that should be you know, yeah, it's not possible anymore. There's not, there's not enough of a willingness to go and like completely um, stop it as well. But you got a lot. The thing is, trailers are tall as well. You get these tall boy curtain siders, which are like yeah. fifteen ten, and then you've got deckers as well. And you look at the amount of freight that's moving at night now on deckers, and what good? I mean, and you get road closures as well that aren't often well yeah. signposted and things. And you can end up coming off the motorway where you're not familiar where you are, and then you've ended yeah. up in some village somewhere, and you don't know where you bloody are. With a sixteen foot high trailer on it and that, you know, it's a, it does, it, nobody makes it kind of nobody makes well, it for maps, you to consideration. Google Maps have been one of the leading map companies in mm. Satnavs for years. Why aren't they putting a um, a truck element to it? Why aren't they investing? You can in it? get bridges on it. You can go into Google, but you can get an overlay which will put bridges onto your Google Maps, but it doesn't stay on there like permanently. There's a way you can do it because I had it on it for a while and then I it updated or reset and then I lost it again. But I did have bridges on it, and now uh, you're right enough. There is they could easily have done uh, much, much more now to go and like get yeah, sort of like, those elements, those elements on there because you get a lot of community driven stuff as well where it, um, people go and review where they've been and tell you about things. And you could also go and review like black spots and things. Do you know, just watch out when you're going in, going into yeah. these places, you know, that's. Yeah. There's, there's, um, when we talked about it, there's, there, there's lack of investment at every single level in uh, drivers. Um, mm. And they say they're expected to perform a hundred percent every single day, but it's purely on their own with very little assistance and very yeah. little guidance. There are some, great companies out there that really will help but we know you know drivers do feel on their own and that they're um up against it and, yeah uh, i really don't i really don't like a lot of some of those telematics things that come in as well but they're trying to say you know we can like monitor your driver and assess him to the very finest degree to make sure he's running absolutely at the optimum uh, condition at every single moment and i said wait a minute are you doing that to the people that are in the office you know, are you doing that to people in the warehouse? You've got have you got telematics in the bloody fault left to make sure he's like who can you're not. You're just you're making an example of that. You're using the lorry driver because it's just it happens to be that there's technology there that you can go and like you can go and do that. And we've mentioned it before, going months back, that people don't understand how to read telematics reports either and use them positively yeah. either. They're like, oh, you appear to have the revs in the blue band quite a lot. Can you stop doing that, please? Yeah. Or oh, I'll stop using my engine brake. But is it, are you, are, yeah. And then they're like, oh, could you please? That would be great because this score thing says that you're doing it wrong. It's like, oh, God. Unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. Um, all that technology wasted. Mm-hmm. All right. But I mean, it's, um, it's um, a glorious Saturday morning here in Scotland. I don't know when I'm going to be back out in a truck again, which is a source of great frustration to me. I've got that much office-related stuff coming up. 
I say I'm trying to get some, I'm trying to get some people lined up a freelance up to give them a go at doing some writing and things because there's not enough people writing uh, about trucks and, and things and um, you need people who, to write about trucks. You have to be doing it for real. I think you know it's not something right. you can go and do unless you're writing about the business aspect of things, which is different yeah. or compliance. Like, if yeah. you're talking about actual driving trucks and things, you need to go and do it. You know, it's as simple yeah, it's as simple as that. Uh, so I hopefully will be I'll be able to get out again. We'll have some new blood, some new people writing for us, and I can go and sod off and go and drive the new Iveco Sway and the new Scania Five Sixty S. Are you going to RTX? Am I going? Because you should be. It's free. When? Uh, end of June, start of July. It's on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The driver's day is on the Saturday, and I've got I'm up on stage doing uh, sort of doing some talks, which will be converted into podcasts because we are talking with. I've got Jared and Martin from Scania. I've got Bob Beach. I've got Paulo Callahan uh, and Russell. Uh, all of us talking about European driving and, and the things. And I've got uh, a couple of ladies from Girdle Talk talking about f- driving and the industry is females but there's also the ride and drive opportunity there as well and we're running a competition for people where you they're like there's 35 vehicles there which you can get a test drive in and that includes like an fh 16750 the new scania 560s even right. doing, ele- doing electric vans and things so we're going to run a competition for people to be able to drive uh, drive some of them of their choice and get a load of merchandise as well as a trucking driver. And there's about 300 show trucks there as well. The show trucks are filling up fast. This is for like the Saturday only. It's at Stonelea Park, which is in the Midlands, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, and it's, it's massive. It's our event, uh, Road Transport Expo. It's backed by all the truck manufacturers and it's going to be so good. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, I, can use, yeah. I can be a bit cynical about stuff like something. I might be all right, I suppose. But this is going to be like the best event of the year. It's in Warwickshire. Yeah. And th- this is going to be good. It's free to register. It's free to come to it. There's a driver's day on the Saturday. It incorporates Tipex and Tankex into it and like freight in the city. So there's anything and everything to do with trucks and that, you know, get in the car and come along to it. Bring your mates, bring the family or that, because it's going to be yeah. going to be really good. Uh, and the Saturday is obviously the more truck and driver orientated sort of day people. So you might still get your truck in if you go and check the truck entry bookings, things to be on show. Oh, there's a load of race truck teams there as well. Obviously, there's no truck racing, but you can get to see the trucks up close and see the practical yeah, demonstrations and, and and all that kind of all that kind of stuff as well. But it'd be definitely it'd be good for you, Sam, for your aspect for yeah. doing some uh, networking and things like that as as well. You know, that's and I say it's on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, so there is more kind of it's more business uh, orientated on 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 the the weekdays, uh, and obviously it's more. We've got much more on the go for our drivers because drivers tend to be driving uh, due Monday to Friday. So we've done that. So every, people have got an opportunity to go and see a bit of everything. Uh, oh, there's a barbecue uh, on the Friday night as well. If you've got a show truck in the place, or if, if you're on, if you're exhibiting there, and then that is for barbecue for 500 people. So I'm actually looking forward to this quite a lot. Yeah, 500, 500 people barbecue or 250 truckers. What do you reckon? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I missed um, uh, I had to miss the Microlize um, uh, conference on Wednesday. I was really gutted about that because I wanted to go and do it. But yeah, I'm um, um, I'm ju- I'm just reading for that now. Do you know what that has slipped my mind? That I've seen you advertising that as well. So um, I've not. Uh, I mean, I've put it in the magazine for this issue, and, um, and I, we've only just because I'd said uh, when I was in a meeting about it as well. I'd said to like uh, people. At, I organised it. I said, this is free. You know, you don't have to pay 
any tickets for anything like that. And there's so many tr- there's so many trucks there, and the live action aspect of it as well. I mean, I'm going to run the count. Yeah. You can sign up to register if you want to get if you've got the appropriate license. You want to go and drive a new DAF XG, see what it's like. You can potentially go and do it at this. Yeah. Um, yeah you, you could spend. You could book up as much time as you possibly could, just going driving all sorts of different. Uh, different vehicles so truck and driver is going to be running our competition going forward where you can you can drive a, I think it may be like any of the three of your choice we'll set that up for you and you can go and uh, drive three tr- three trucks I think it will be but you're also getting a, uh, a ton of um, top notch manufacturer merchandise uh, out of that as well maybe some other bits and pieces uh, but that's on the way at the moment it is it's right at the end of June into July yeah. so it's uh, and what did you say? The Saturday is that the second that is the uh, the one to look at. Saturday, the second of July, is the drivers' day at Road Transport Expo. So, um, yeah, there's a truck there's a truck show uh, there, and there's also um, we've got a stage there as well. So there's a variety of talks and things going on over the course of the day between yeah people from the the, the truck manufacturers, people from the industry as well. So I'll be there with a microphone talking to people and we'll be sort of recording that over as sort of podcast oh, yeah. type thing as well. So be good. Right. Come along. Yeah, okay. yeah. You can maybe come up on stage and say hello. Yeah, definitely. Will do. Yeah. Um, uh, funny enough, I'm just looking into it and I've already registered for it. So I need to put that in well, my diary. You did that. <laughs> I'm trying to register. So I'm going to be there. Well, it's, not far, it's, not that far, it's, not that, it's not actually that far for you anyway, is it, Warwickshire? That's not. No, far. no. No, not far at all. No, it's uh, the, the underused M40, one of the best motorways in the country, that is. Yeah, I would agree with that, because I come down the M40 all the time in the car to get to the office in London when I'm down there, and there's no smart motorway nonsense on it. There's a hard yeah. shoulder all the way. There's no speed gantries. You very rarely see the police on it, and cars don't hide. I've, I saw a speed car on it for the first time when I was down for the, the truck racing at Brands Hatch. Seven o'clock in the morning, yeah. glorious sunny day, nothing on the road, a camera van up. Uh, but in, in the night, there's a lot of big prestige German cars on that road, and they're not hanging about like it's um yeah. it's a it's a I do like the M40. As far as like southern English motorways go, that would be my favourite. <laughs> not much choice. Well, no, there's yeah. not. I mean, it's not a particularly high bar. I mean, you you could argue yeah. that you could argue that parts of the M5 at certain times would be pleasant because those same sections of road um, are also. Uh, Hell on earth when it's busy, but uh, the the M40 is a good good bit of road. Thankfully, hopefully, yeah. they're never going to dig up the hard shoulder and start mucking about with it. You know, they'll find a way to justify it, won't they? Um, and it's mm. it's it would be um, a crying shame because I worked. Uh, I used to live in Bristol and I used to run the Amazon Depot in Banbury. And for what was it about three years, I drove up there and I only got delayed on that once. And I was only I was doing standard mm. um, office hours and rush hour. And it was because I was um. Uh, a low loader it was the only time I ever had a, a journey where I thought, oh, we're in a traffic jam. Superb. Mm. Um, I was very spoiled. It's only going up uh, uh, two junctions, but still um, mm. uh, could have been worse. But yeah, I'm, um, I'm just trying to get my um, login details on that because it's not recognising. But yeah, I'll be there on a Saturday, definitely. Brilliant. Cool. Yes, so we've got your article. We'll look out for your article on the ASWay coming up and give us a shout again once you progress your joked application and things like that. See where we are and what you're doing and all that. Good luck with it. Um, well, if you kick, all that all kicks into gear quite soon because I mean you're mainly if anybody's wanting to find you uh, anyway where, where do they find you? you you're on LinkedIn Instagram Facebook you know but I mean LinkedIn's the most sort of official sort of business uh, orientated yeah. thing for that you know 
Yeah, that's S, S Clayton HGV driving specialist. But if you're on um, uh, on Instagram, um, I mean, I could say, Doug, if you play your cards right, I might even come and give you a little bit of training if you like. Oh, yeah, I don't, don't, don't know. Do you, you, know, you know, I won a contest. Um, I was the top-rated journalist at the Scania event where they were doing the used truck thing. I got, um, and they sent me some lovely merchandise, I should say. So, you teach me something, then you see. It's a two-way street when I'm training, but well, exactly I, because I do. I am in a good op- I'm in a good position, but I get to drive. Apart from any NTGXs, I get to drive a lot of different trucks, so I get some hands-on experience yeah. with a lot of different things, and I learn a lot of things as well. And also, Bob, Be- I speak to Bob Beach quite regularly, and he he is one of the very few people who reads the manual before he drives it. You know, that'll never yeah. catch on, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, HGV Driving Specialist on uh, Instagram is a good way to find me. And same with Twitter as well. I'm getting into Twitter a little bit more. It's taken a while, but I'm starting to learn it. It takes uh, time to build up. Um, what I noticed as well, I think it might have been Elon Musk mentioned it. <laughs> if you hit the little icon in the top corner, you can change it so you get latest tweets. So when you come onto the page, there's a little set of stars up in the top right corner. If you click on that, you can switch between home, which are tweets which are recommended to you, and then it'll also Ah. shift towards – you can also move it so you get latest tweets. Like There's a tweet that's like five minutes ago, which is useful, and I quite – yeah, I've just done it. That's nice. Yeah, you got a lot of you got a lot of um. That's where the the truck related political sort of stuff would go on with that. We're going to be having a moan about Tesco and everything like that because um, yeah, Facebook is just an echo chamber. <laughs> anyway, oh, so. yeah, well, you um, uh, I had to remove myself from lots of groups on there because of just people are just so um. Uh, I think it's um, it's the Dunning Kruger effect. Look at that up. All right, the Dunning Kruger effect. Okay, well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you'll understand why yeah, and what we've just been talking about. Um, but yeah, um, great. Really appreciate the opportunity, Dougie. Always enjoy this. And then um, uh, maybe we'll speak before then um, on one of these. But if not, then I'll see you at the, um, uh, the oh, show. Okay. Yeah, not far, not yeah. far away now. I can't believe it. It's only like sort of six weeks away now. So, ah, fantastic. Right. Okay. Cool. Thanks very much. Um, hope you're having a good day. Take care. Catch you again soon. Thanks, Dougie. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.